Aerospace Dimensions Module 4, Rockets, Module Outline, Chapter 1, History of Rockets, Chapter 2, Rocket Principles, Systems, and Engines, Chapter 3, Rocket and Private Space Travel. Chapter 1, History of Rockets. Learning Outcomes. 1. Identify historical facts about the Greeks, Chinese, and British and their roles in the development of rockets. 2. Describe America's early contributions to the development of rockets. 3. List the early artificial and manned rocket launches and their missions. Important Terms and Persons Neil Armstrong, first man to walk on moon. Roger Bacon, increased the range of rockets. William Congreve, designed rockets for military use. John Foissar, improved the accuracy of rockets by launching them through tubes. Yuri Gagarin, a Russian, the first man in space and the first man to orbit the Earth. John Glenn, first American to orbit the Earth. Robert Goddard, experimented with solid and liquid propellant rockets, is called the father of modern rocketry. William Hale, developed the technique of spin stabilization. Hero, ancient inventor who developed a device that would demonstrate rocket propulsion. Sergei Korolev, the leading Soviet rocket scientist, known as the father of the Soviet space program. Sir Isaac Newton, laid scientific foundation for modern rocketry with his laws of motion. Hermann Oberth, space pioneer, wrote a book about rocket travel into outer space. Alan Shepard, first American in space. Skylab, first U.S. space station. Space Shuttle, a reusable space transportation system developed for traveling to space and back to Earth. Spin stabilization, a technique developed by Englishman William Hale, wherein escaping gases in a rocket hit small veins that make the rocket spin and stabilize, much like a bullet in flight. Sputnik 1, first artificial satellite, Russian. Konstantin Tsiolkovsky proposed the use of rockets for space exploration and became known as the father of modern astronautics. Werner von Braun, director of the V-2 rocket project and architect of the Saturn family of rockets. Today's rockets are remarkable examples of scientific research and experimentation over thousands of years. Let's take a moment and recall some of the fascinating rocket developments of the past. History. The history of rocketry can be traced as far back as around 400 BC when a Greek named Architas built a flying wooden pigeon. It was suspended on a wire and propelled by escaping steam. About 300 years later, another Greek named Hero developed what could be characterized as the first rocket engine. It was also propelled by steam. Hero placed a sphere on top of a pot of water. The water was heated and turned into steam. The steam traveled through pipes into the sphere. Two L-shaped tubes on opposite sides of the sphere allowed the gas to escape. This created a thrust that caused the sphere to rotate. This device is known as a hero engine. In the first century AD, the Chinese developed a form of gunpowder and used it as fireworks for religious and festive celebrations. The Chinese began experimenting with the gunpowder-filled tubes. They attached bamboo tubes to arrows and launched them with bows, creating early rockets. In 1232, with the Chinese and Mongols at war with each other, these early rockets were used as arrows of flying fire. This was a simple form of a solid propellant rocket. A tube, capped at one end, contained gunpowder. The other end was left open and the tube was attached to a long stick. 
When the powder ignited, the rapid burning of the powder produced fire, smoke, and gas that escaped out the open end and produced a thrust. The stick acted as a guidance system that kept the rocket headed in one general direction as it flew through the air. Records indicate that from this point, the use of rockets spread, as well as the use of fins to add greater guidance and stability. Rocket experiments continued throughout the 13th to 15th centuries. In England, Roger Bacon improved forms of gunpowder, which increased the range of the rocket. In France, Jean Foissart achieved more accuracy by launching rockets through tubes. This idea was the forerunner of the bazooka. During the latter part of the 17th century, Sir Isaac Newton laid the scientific foundations for modern rocketry when he developed his laws of motion. These laws explain how rockets work and are discussed in detail in Chapter 2 of this volume. Newton's laws of motion influenced the design of rockets. Rocket experimenters in Germany and Russia began working with very powerful rockets. Some of these rockets were so powerful that their escaping exhaust flames bored deep holes in the ground even before liftoff. At the end of the 18th century, Colonel William Congrave, an artillery expert with the British military, set out to design rockets for military use. His designs increased the rocket's range from 200 to 3,000 yards and were very successful in battle, not because of accuracy, but because of the sheer numbers that could be fired. During a typical siege, thousands of rockets could be fired. These became known as the Congrave rockets and were the rockets that lit the sky during the battle at Fort McHenry in 1812, while Francis Scott Key wrote his famous poem, which later became our national anthem, The Star-Spangled Banner. Even with Congrave's work, the accuracy of rockets still had not improved much. So, rocket researchers all over the world were experimenting with ways to improve accuracy. An Englishman, William Hale, developed a technique called spin stabilization. In this method, the escaping exhaust gases struck small veins at the bottom of the rocket, causing it to spin much as a bullet does in flight. Many rockets still use variations of this principle today. Modern Rocketry In 1898, a Russian schoolteacher, Konstantin Tsiolkovsky proposed the idea of space exploration by a rocket. He published a report in 1903 suggesting the use of liquid propellants for rockets in order to achieve greater range. Tsiolkovsky stated that only the exhaust velocity of escaping gases limited the speed and range of a rocket. For his ideas, research, and vision, Tsiolkovsky has been called the father of modern astronautics. Note that this theory has later been proved to apply only to atmospheric flight. In a vacuum, speeds much greater than an engine's exhaust are easily attainable. Early in the 20th century, an American physics professor, Dr. Robert H. Goddard, conducted many practical experiments with rockets. His research led to major breakthroughs in the development of rockets. His earliest experiments were with solid propellant rockets. Then he became convinced that liquid propulsion would be better suited for rocketry. In 1926, Goddard achieved the first successful flight with a liquid propellant rocket, utilizing liquid oxygen and gasoline. This was a forerunner of today's rockets. As he continued with his experiments, his liquid propellant rockets grew bigger and flew higher. He also developed a gyroscope system for flight control, a payload compartment, and a parachute recovery system. Additionally, he believed that multi-stage rockets were the answer for achieving high altitudes. For his many accomplishments, Dr. Goddard is known as the father of modern rocketry. In 1923, Hermann Oberth of Germany published a book about rocket travel into outer space. Because of his writings, small rocket societies were started around the world. In Germany, one such group, 
the Society for Space Travel had numerous members who would, during World War II, be drafted into the German military to assist in the development of the V-2 missile. The V-2 rocket, with its explosive warhead, was a formidable weapon which could devastate whole city blocks. Germany used this weapon against London during World War II, but fortunately, this occurred too late in the war to change the outcome. The V-2 was built under the directorship of Werner von Braun, a German who after the war headed up several U.S. rocket programs. With the fall of Germany, the Allies captured many unused V-2 components. Many German rocket scientists, along with von Braun, came to the United States. Others went to the Soviet Union. Von Braun and about 120 of his scientists signed contracts to work with the U.S. Army. Von Braun and his team used captured V-2s to teach American scientists and engineers about rocketry. In the Soviet Union, Sergei Karlyev was leading Russian scientists in rocket development. He organized and led the development of the first successful Soviet intercontinental ballistic missile in August 1957. Two months later, the Soviet Union launched the world's first artificial satellite, Sputnik I. He is considered to be the father of the Soviet space program, Space Race. Both the United States and the Soviet Union recognized the potential of rocketry as a military weapon and began a variety of experimental programs. The United States also began a program of high-altitude atmospheric sounding rockets. Then the U.S. developed a variety of short, medium, and long-range ballistic missiles. Many of these would be converted into launch vehicles for the U.S. space program. A launch vehicle is the rocket system that lifts the spacecraft. It gives the spacecraft, or payload, enough force to reach orbit. Then, and only then, does a payload become a satellite. These launch vehicles propelled people and cargo into space. As stated previously, on October 4, 1957, the Soviet Union launched into space Sputnik 1, which would become the world's first artificial satellite. The space race between the two world superpowers, the U.S. and the USSR, had begun and Russia had won the first round. On January 31, 1958, the U.S. launched Explorer 1, which would become America's first Earth-orbiting satellite. Explorer 1's most noteworthy discovery was the existence of the radiation belts that surround the planet and are held in place by Earth's magnetic field. The belts are named after the scientist that developed the instrument carried on board Explorer that led to the discovery, Dr. James Van Allen. Later in the same year that Explorer 1 was launched, the U.S. formally organized its space program by creating the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, or NASA. NASA became the civilian agency with the goal of peaceful exploration of space for the benefit of all humankind. The Department of Defense, or DOD, became responsible for research and development in the area of military aerospace activities. Thus, the U.S. began to conduct space exploration in earnest. Both the U.S. and the Soviet Union began sending many people and machines into space. In April of 1961, a Russian named Yuri Gagarin became the first human to orbit Earth. Then, less than a month later, Alan Shepard, aboard his Mercury capsule, Freedom 7, became the first American in space. The Redstone rocket that propelled Shepard was not powerful enough to place the Mercury capsule into orbit. So, the flight lasted only 15 minutes and reached an altitude of 187 kilometers, or 116 miles. Twenty days later, May 25, 1961, even though the Soviet Union was ahead of the U.S. in the space race, President John F. Kennedy announced the objective of putting a man on the moon by the end of the decade. In February 1962, John Glenn became the first American to orbit the Earth aboard the Mercury capsule.
Friendship 7. Glenn was launched by the more powerful Atlas rocket and remained in orbit for 4 hours and 55 minutes. The U.S. also began an extensive unmanned space program aimed at supporting the manned lunar landing objective. Programs such as Ranger, Surveyor, and Lunar Orbiter were launched using modified Atlas versions known as Agena and Centaur. Next came the Gemini missions in 1965-1966, which were designed to carry two crew members. These missions were launched by a more powerful launch vehicle, the Titan II. Gemini missions were aimed at expanding our experience in space and preparing the U.S. for a manned lunar landing on the moon. Gemini paved the way for the Apollo missions by demonstrating rendezvous and docking procedures, flying extended duration missions, up to 14 days, and conducting extravehicular activities or spacewalks. After the Gemini missions, the third manned space program, Apollo, began launching astronauts in 1968 with Apollo 17 in 1972 and ended in 1975. Launching men to the moon required much larger launch vehicles than those available. So, the U.S. developed the Saturn launch vehicles, Saturn 1, 1B, and 5. The Saturn 1 and 1B were large two-stage liquid propellant launch vehicles assembled from the components of other rockets and were used mainly for unmanned test flights in Earth orbit. In October 1968, a Saturn 1B launched the first three-person mission, Apollo 7. All remaining Apollo flights, 8 through 17, used the much more powerful Saturn 5. On July 20, 1969, Apollo 11 landed on the moon and Neil Armstrong became the first man to walk on its surface, thus fulfilling the goal set by President Kennedy in 1961. The next space project of the United States was Skylab, the first U.S. space station. The Saturn V was used to launch Skylab into space. The Saturn 1B launch vehicles were used to launch crews to the space station. Skylab was launched in May 1973 and had three separate missions between 1973 and 1974. The last mission was the longest, it lasted 84 days. One final mission was flown in 1975 that utilized hardware developed for the Apollo program. It was known as the Apollo Soyuz Test Project, or ASTP. It was a joint mission flown by separate spacecraft from the United States, Apollo, and the Soviet Union, Soyuz. Each spacecraft was launched from the respective nation's homeland, and once in orbit, linked up and remained joined for nearly two days. The project served a diplomatic purpose as much as anything else, demonstrating cooperation between two nations that were still officially engaged in a Cold War. After the Skylab and ASDP, the U.S. concentrated on a reusable launch system, the Space Transportation System, STS. The STS used solid rocket boosters and three main engines to launch the shuttle orbiter. The reusable boosters fell off about two minutes into the flight. Parachutes deployed to decelerate the solid rocket boosters for a safe splashdown in the Atlantic Ocean, where ships recovered them. The STS, commonly referred to as the Space Shuttle, was used for transportation to space and back to Earth. This chapter gave a brief account of how rocket launch vehicles were used in the space race. A more detailed account of the U.S. manned space program is contained in Module 6 of Aerospace Dimensions, Spacecraft. It should be noted that the vast majority of America's early programs of space exploration were launched by vehicles that were modified military weapons. Redstone Jupiter, Thor, Atlas, and Titan missiles were all modified to serve space exploration purposes. Additionally, all versions of the Saturn I rocket utilized modified hardware from Redstone and Jupiter missiles for the first stage. 
This practice represents an important contribution that America's military made to the exploration of space and helped win the space race of the 1950s and 1960s. Rockets evolved from simple gunpowder devices into giant vehicles capable of traveling into outer space, taking astronauts to the moon and launching satellites to explore our universe. Without a doubt, rockets have opened the universe to our exploration, and the possibilities continue to be endless. They have been, and continue to remain, the indispensable tools of space exploration. Chapter 2. Rocket Principles, Systems, and Propulsions Learning Outcomes 1. Define Acceleration 2. Define inertia. 3. Define thrust. 4. Describe Newton's first law of motion. 5. Describe Newton's second law of motion. 6. Describe Newton's third law of motion. 7. Identify the four major systems of a rocket. 8. Describe the purpose of each of the four major systems of a rocket. 9. Define payload. 10. Describe how the world land speed record applies to rockets. 11. Describe innovations in new rocket technology to include some of the new launch vehicles that are being developed. Important terms and persons. Acceleration. The rate of change in velocity with respect to time. Airframe provides the shape of the rocket within which all of the other systems are contained. Control system steers the rocket and keeps it stable. Falcon, a new family of rockets being developed by Space Exploration Technologies, Incorporated, SpaceX. Guidance system. Determines the path the rocket should take. The brain of the rocket. Inertia. The tendency of an object at rest to stay at rest and an object in motion to stay in motion. New Glenn. New rocket in development by Blue Origin. Newton's first law of motion. A body at rest remains at rest and a body in motion tends to stay in motion at a constant velocity unless acted on by an outside force. Inertia. Newton's second law of motion. The rate of change in the momentum of a body is proportional to the force acting upon the body and is in the direction of the force, also expressed as force equals mass times acceleration, or F equals MA. Newton's third law of motion. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Payload. What the rocket is carrying. Propulsion. Everything associated with producing the force needed to get the payload to its destination. Thrust. To force or push. The amount of push used to get a rocket traveling upwards. Vulcan. New rocket in development by United Launch Alliance. Rocket systems. Modern rockets consist of four major systems. Airframe, guidance, control, and propulsion. These four systems work together to deliver the payload. The payload is defined as whatever the rocket is carrying. For instance, the payload of a military rocket might be explosives, while the payload of a civilian rocket might be a space probe. The airframe provides the shape of the rocket and all of the other systems are contained within it. The airframe must be lightweight, yet structurally strong. It must withstand heat, stress, and a lot of vibration. The primary objective in the design and construction of an airframe is to build a structure that will withstand all anticipated stresses while using the least possible weight. For example, the airframe of the Atlas ICBM was thinner than a dime. When the Atlas propellant tanks were empty, they had to be pressurized to keep them from collapsing. The airframe is the skin of the rocket and serves as the wall of the propellant tanks. This eliminates the need for separate internal tanks and saves in weight too. 
The guidance and control, G and C, sometimes referred to as G and C for guidance, navigation, and control. System is the brain of a rocket. It is responsible for getting the rocket and its payload to its destination. In a military missile, the G and C system delivers the warhead to its target. In a launch vehicle, the system is responsible for delivering the spacecraft to its proper orbit or destination. The GNC system is small compared to the rest of the rocket. It is a self-contained electronic unit with a computer. The computer is programmed to guide the rocket on a desired trajectory. The control part of the GNC takes the information from the guidance part and steers the rocket to its destination. The control part also keeps the rocket stable. It is actually several controls that work to stabilize and steer the rocket. These controls allow for changes to be made during the rocket's flight. Vanes, movable fins, gimbaled nozzles, and attitude control rockets are a few examples of controls that can help steer or stabilize a rocket. Vanes are like small fins that are placed inside the exhaust of the rocket engine. Tilting the vanes deflects the exhaust and changes the direction the rocket is going. A gimbaled nozzle is one that sways while the exhaust passes through it. This also changes a rocket's direction. A rocket's movable fins can be tilted to change the rocket's direction as well. The propulsion system consists of everything directly associated with propelling the rocket. This includes the propellant used, the containers for the propellant, and the engine. The propellant doesn't mean just the fuel, but includes both the fuel and the oxidizer. The fuel is the chemical, the rocket burns, and the oxidizer, oxygen or some other suitable compound, must be present in order for combustion to take place. Rockets must carry the oxidizer with them because there is none in space. There are two general types of rocket propellants, liquid and solid. Solid rocket propellants were used for 700 years before liquid propulsion was developed. Solid propellant is carried in the combustion chamber pre-mixed and in solid form. The fuel is usually a mixture of hydrogen compounds and carbon, and the oxidizer is made up of oxygen compounds. Liquid propellant is much more complicated. Liquid propellants are carried in compartments separate from the combustion chamber, one for the fuel and one for the oxidizer. The liquid propellant is usually kerosene or liquid hydrogen. The oxidizer is usually liquid oxygen. Solid and liquid propellants are often used together on the same rocket, some examples being the space shuttle, the Delta IV, and the Atlas V. Propulsion, you can't leave home without it. This title is a play on words from a well-known television commercial from a few years back. But when we speak of Earth as our home, then propulsion is absolutely the key to leaving it. This section will describe several new launch vehicles that are in development or have recently been put to use, as well as some of the new rocket engines that will power them. A new generation of launch vehicles. Throughout the years of the era of modern rocket technology, that is, from the 1940s to the present, there have been incremental improvements from one rocket design to the next. For example, the current Atlas V, which is being produced by a joint venture between Boeing and Lockheed Martin, known as United Launch Alliance, ULA, has evolved from the previous Atlas III, note there was no Atlas IV, which evolved from the previous Atlas I and II, which evolved from the previous Atlas Centaur, which evolved from the previous Atlas Agena, which evolved from the original Atlas ICBM. That's a long history, going back to the beginnings of the modern era. The current Atlas V bears no resemblance whatsoever to the original Atlas ICBM. Yet each new model brought incremental improvements. And now another incremental improvement is being made with the development of the new Vulcan Centaur rocket, which evolved from the Atlas V. Vulcan Centaur will be an incremental improvement over the Atlas V. However, 
It will also incorporate improved elements of another ULA rocket, the Delta IV. Some interesting innovations for the Vulcan Centaur will be the use of methane propulsion. It will be among the first large rockets to use methane as a fuel. Initially, Vulcan Centaur will be a single-use rocket. However, ULA plans to have the booster engines, thrust structure, and avionics recoverable at some future date. ULA states that this process will save some 65% of the cost of the booster. Vulcan Centaur will come in various power configurations depending on how many thrust-augmenting solid rocket motors are strapped onto the booster, either 0, 2, 4, or 6, which will vary the liftoff thrust between 1.1 million pounds to a whopping 4.07 million pounds. Once flights become operational, Vulcan will be the most powerful rocket ever launched from the Cape. To clarify, Vulcan is not as powerful as the Saturn V rocket that took Apollo astronauts to the moon. But Saturn V launched from nearby Kennedy Space Center, not Cape Canaveral. Space Exploration Technologies Incorporated, better known as SpaceX, is adding to its current family of Falcon rockets. The Starship has been made the top SpaceX development priority, and it all started with the itty-bitty rocket Falcon 1. Falcon 1 was the brainchild of Elon Musk, who invested a considerable amount of his personal wealth to develop it. Falcon 1 was plagued with problems during its development. The first three test flights were failures, with each flight representing a new type of failure that the engineers had to deal with. Musk had decided that he would give the program one more shot, and if that failed, he would pack up and go. The fourth flight succeeded, and as a result, SpaceX is now a major aerospace company. Currently, the most well-known rocket of the family is Falcon 9. For some additional background, the 9 in Falcon 9 comes from the 9 Merlin engines in the first stage. Falcon 1 had one Merlin engine, Falcon 9 has 9. Falcon 1 was retired after five flights mainly because there was not enough demand for such a small launch vehicle. Falcon 9, on the other hand, is a different story. To date, there have been 92 Falcon 9 launches, by the time this edition is published in 2021, there will have been over 100. Falcon 9 is also famous for its recoverable boosters. As soon as the booster separates from its upper stage, it turns around and heads back to the Cape, whereupon it executes a perfect four-point landing. That is, nearly every time, a handful of landing attempts have been unsuccessful. On some launches, the booster does not have enough propellant to make it back to the Cape. So it lands on an autonomous drone ship in the Atlantic Ocean, after which it is brought back to the Cape to be refurbished and used again. For power comparison, Falcon 1 developed 102,000 pounds of thrust at liftoff, Falcon 9 develops 1,710,000, Falcon Heavy develops 5,100,000 pounds, now hold on to your seats, Starship will develop 16 million pounds of thrust at launch, more than twice the power of the Saturn V. If you've never heard of Blue Origin before reading this module, you most certainly have heard of Amazon.com. And if there had never been an Amazon.com, there never would have been a Blue Origin, because the fortune that was and is being made at Amazon is what's giving Blue Origin the money to get it going. The company is transforming the landscape at Kennedy Space Center and Cape Canaveral. The new Glenn rocket, named in honor of John Glenn, is a brand new design that will be manufactured at a brand new sprawling complex nearing completion on KSC. Like the Falcon 9, the first stage of the rocket is intended to be recoverable. It will come in a two-stage version as well as a three-stage version. New Glenn will launch off Complex 36 on Cape Canaveral and will create quite a thunder when it does, developing 3.85 million pounds of thrust on liftoff. 
The complex previously operated to support Atlas spaceflight launches for NASA, the Air Force, and commercial customers from 1962 to 2005. It remained deactivated for 10 years until Blue Origin chose to use it for their new rocket. Blue Origin also has a much smaller rocket that it is developing for space tourism named New Shepard, named in honor of Alan Shepard, which is described in Module 6. Northrop Grumman is developing a new launch vehicle that will rely heavily on solid, instead of the more common liquid, propulsion for payloads destined for Earth orbit. The Omega launch vehicle will utilize solid rocket motors in its first and second stages, as well as its strap-on boosters, which can vary from two to six. Its third stage will utilize liquid propulsion, hydrogen slash oxygen. The rocket will come in two configurations, medium and heavy. The performance details have not been released yet but the first stage of the heavy configuration is based on the Space Shuttle Solid Rocket Booster, which produced 2.8 million of thrust. That, combined with the maximum strap-on boosters, would give it a liftoff thrust of over 5.5 million pounds. The final launch vehicle that will be described is one that will utilize decades of already proven technology, but one that is sure to blaze new trails in human exploration, NASA's Space Launch System, SLS. At first glance, it looks like it is using nothing but old technology. Space shuttle main engines, solid rocket boosters, an external tank, and an upper stage engine that was first tested in 1959 and is still in use to this day, the RL-10. But all those old designs are being refined and updated and employed in the rocket that will be taking the next group of astronauts back to the moon. The SLS will be assembled in the same building where Apollo Saturn Vs were prepared for their lunar missions. The core stage of SLS is based on the Space Shuttle external tank, only it has been lengthened to accommodate more propellant. The liquid hydrogen and oxygen from the core stage tanks will be fed to four modified RS-25 engines used on shuttle. Each shuttle flight used three of these engines. Strapped to each side of the core stage will be lengthened solid rocket boosters that will be more powerful than the ones used on shuttle. The rocket will develop nearly 9 million pounds of thrust on liftoff and will be taking up to four crew members at a time from the Earth to the Moon, a new generation of rocket engines. Along with this new family of rockets comes the new family of rocket engines. Three new rocket engines are described below, and all of them are designed to be reusable. Most all of the rockets described above will come with rocket engines of new design. Not quite as new as the other engines, but newly developed for the Falcon 1, 9, and heavy rockets is the Merlin 1 engine. The Merlin 1 has been gradually improved since it first flew in 2006 and each new version gets a new letter designation. The Merlin 1D is the current version. Each Merlin 1D produces 190,000 pounds of thrust and each Falcon 9 has nine engines in the booster which gives the 1.71 million pounds described above. Falcon Heavy basically has three Falcon 9s strapped together in parallel, which means there are 27 Merlin engines firing at liftoff, producing 5.1 million pounds of thrust. These engines are designed to be reused multiple times and burn refined kerosene, referred to as RP1, for fuel and liquid oxygen, known as LOX, for oxidizer. If the Starship relied on the Merlin 1 engine for propulsion, it would take 84 of them to power the first stage. Naturally, a more powerful engine will be used for Starship. SpaceX is developing the Raptor engine for this purpose. Raptor will be blazing some new trails in engine design. It will be the largest rocket engine developed to date that will utilize liquid methane for fuel. The oxidizer will be the often used liquid oxygen. 
Each Raptor engine will develop approximately 516,000 pounds of thrust, which means Starship will have 31 engines in its first stage. Blue Origin is also developing a new reusable rocket engine, the BE-4, which will power both the new Glenn rocket as well as the Vulcan Centaur. The BE-4 will use liquefied natural gas, known as LNG, for fuel, which is mostly methane and is chilled to minus 260 degrees Fahrenheit to change its state from gas to liquid. Oxidizer will be standard LOX. Seven BE-4 engines will power the first stage of the new Glenn rocket and two BE-4s will power the second stage. The Vulcan Centaur will have just two BE-4 engines powering its first stage, but it will have the option of adding up to six solid rocket motors to augment its thrust. Chapter 3. Rockets in Private Space Travel Learning Outcomes 1. Describe the requirements for achieving the X Prize. 2. Describe Spaceship 1's achievements. 3. Describe the future flight sequence of Spaceship 2. Important Terms and Persons Spaceship 1. Aircraft with Suborbital Capability Spaceship 2. Spaceship One's successor, with the goal of offering the experience of space travel to the general public. Rockets in the Second Millennium In 1995, Dr. Peter H. Diamandis conceived an award, which he called the Ansari X Prize that would encourage private spaceflight. The requirements were that a non-government-supported aerospace craft would have to fly to an altitude of 100 kilometers or 62 miles above the surface of the Earth and return safely. Then, within a period of two weeks, the same flight would have to be repeated. On both occasions, the vehicle was required to carry the weight of three adult humans. For this accomplishment, a prize of $10 million would be awarded. The organizers of the Ansari X Prize, together with the scientific community, set the altitude of 62 miles, or 100 kilometers, as the line that defines the beginning of space. 26 teams from seven countries competed for the prize and many attempts to win it were made over a period of eight years. On June 21, 2004, Mike Melville, test pilot for scaled composites of Mojave Aerospace Ventures, flew their entry for the competition, Spaceship One, on a record-breaking flight. Melville reached an altitude of 328,491 feet, making him the first private pilot to earn the highly coveted astronaut wings. Three months later, on September 29, Melville flew Spaceship One again on the first official mission to meet the requirements set forth in the rules of competition for the X Prize. He accomplished all competition requirements on that flight. Then, on October 4, another test pilot for scaled composites, Brian Binney, flew the vehicle to an altitude of 347,442 feet, or 69.2 miles, to win the prize. That flight marked the 47th anniversary of the Soviet Union's launch of Sputnik. On November 6, 2004, Scaled Composites was awarded the $10 million prize. Since that time, more than $1.3 billion has been invested worldwide in a new industry, private space travel. A new frontier, private space travel. Commercial airline-type space travel, Virgin Galactic. The first thing that comes to mind with the word commercial is, how much does it cost to go to space if you're just a passenger and not an astronaut? As of 2020, the price for a seat on such a flight is $250,000. Virgin Galactic, a company that is a subsidiary of English-based Virgin Group and owned by British billionaire Sir Richard Branson, is mounting a serious effort to sell the ultimate thrill ride to the general public, although the ticket price may exclude a few million people. 
The success of Spaceship One prompted the businessmen to explore the possibility of offering the general public space transportation in a specially built spacecraft known as Spaceship Two. Initially, the venture will take paying passengers on a suborbital flight to an altitude of 110 kilometers, or 68 miles, just penetrating into the thermosphere. Spaceship Two will reach 4,000 kilometers per hour, 2,485 miles per hour, using a single hybrid rocket motor, which goes by the name Rocket Motor 2. During the flight, passengers will experience up to six minutes of weightlessness. The complete flight will take about two and a half hours, and as of 2020, the company was on the verge of beginning commercial flights. From space bases located near Upham, New Mexico, and Mojave, California, two crew members and six passengers will be taken aloft by the technologically advanced mothership known as White Knight 2. The journey to get to this point has not been without its setbacks. Throughout the development of the propulsion system, the vehicle prime contractor, Scaled Composites, has made major modifications to the design, resulting in years of delays. Additionally, two mishaps resulting in fatalities, one on the ground and one in flight, have caused further delays. The in-flight mishap resulted in the death of one of the pilots and the destruction of the first vehicle, Enterprise. The company appears to have resolved those problems and is back on track to offering its first flights. In New Mexico, there will be a 10,000-foot runway and a completely outfitted terminal facility for the pioneering space passengers. The state of New Mexico has invested close to $200 million in the project. Prospective passengers will have to pass a modified flight physical as well as undergo centrifuge training where they must be able to withstand up to 6 Gs. They will also take a training flight in the White Knight 2, which has its interior outfitted to look exactly like Spaceship 2. A type of ground school will also be part of the training. For these trips, it will not be a matter of just buying a ticket and hopping on a plane. On the actual flight, passengers will board the spacecraft and then be taken to an altitude of 50,000 feet. Spaceship 2 will then separate from the White Knight 2 and be rocketed into space. When the 110-kilometer, or 68-mile, altitude is reached, passengers will experience approximately six minutes of weightlessness. The passengers will be allowed to release themselves from their seats and float around the cabin. The reason for this extended period of weightlessness is the altitude reached is at the boundary of space. By going to 110 kilometers, a speed in excess of Mach 3, additional time in space can be achieved. During re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere, Spaceship 2 will fold its wings upward and be gently slowed to prepare for a glide to landing at the spaceport. Sir Richard Branson unveiled the project on December 7, 2009 at the Mojave Spaceport, the home base for Burt Rutan's scaled composites operation. Branson's company, Virgin Galactic, is part of an international conglomerate known as the Virgin Group. All of the initial testing and marketing takes place in the United States. However, there are plans for other space facilities in England, Scotland, Sweden, and Dubai. Initial orders are for two White Knight II carrier aircraft and a fleet of five Spaceship Twos. The future also includes collaboration with NASA for the possibility of launching smaller payloads into low Earth orbit. This could be done at a greater savings of money than using conventional orbital rockets. The future of rocketry for continued space travel and exploration is only beginning. The possibilities are limitless and all because of a simple propulsion principle used in the exciting area of rocketry.